Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 44th edition of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as always, by Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joey. How are you? Very good. Very good. Now, for everybody that has been on the show before, everybody that's given our show a listen, welcome back. Welcome back. We've got another one this week, as we do every week. And for the newcomers, you are listening to a world champion boxing podcast. And the reason I say that is because we're speaking to a world champion on this week's show. We will be speaking to Antonio Tava right after the review part of the show it will be just at the end of part one and Antonio Tava is going to be talking in detail about all the drug um, allegations of course it's, it's been noted that he's failed a drug test and that's all apparent we're not too sure no one seems to know what's going on but he's going to clear that up for us he's also going to talk about the proposed fight that should be taking place, but I'm not sure if they are going to want to risk it. Dillian White against Antonio Tava. But we're going to leave that there. We're going to let the man do the talking and, you know, that's going to be real big. So we're going to be speaking to him very shortly and that should be really interesting. Now we're going to dive straight into part one. Um, I'm going to start IAS this week over in Quebec, Canada. Now this took place on the Friday. This was Friday the 29th of July. Adonis Stevenson put in his WBC World Light Heavyweight title on the line against Thomas Williams Jr. We had him on the show last week and he's a real, real nice guy. You know, he was very, very confident of getting a stoppage. He said he would stop him inside six rounds and unfortunately he couldn't live up to that. Adonis Stevenson came out looking pretty good in the first round. I think he was hitting Thomas Williams Jr. with a lot of shots, but Thomas Williams Jr. wasn't going anywhere. He took him very, very well. Um, in the second round, he came out and done pretty well. I should mention also that Williams was down in the first round. Um, it wasn't such a heavy knockdown, but he got up, regrouped, and he came out in the second and won the second round. He came out in the third, and it was like, you know, it was going forth, going back and forth. It was hard to score it. I thought that he'd done pretty well. And then in the fourth round, um, Adonis Stevenson got the KO and it was a proper, proper knockdown. And, uh, you know, it was he couldn't beat the count, Thomas Williams Jr. He showed a lot of heart while it lasted. And he's going to be a threat. You know, I hope he can go back and regroup. You know, I sent him a nice message, um, a nice text message, and he thanked me for that. And, you know, I cannot wait to see him back because he's a real nice guy and he deserves the best. But, you know, he just didn't have enough on the night when it all mattered. So Adonis Stevenson moves to 28 wins now. Of course, he's got that one loss and he retains his WBC World Light Heavyweight title. We're yet to see what's going to happen with him next. There's a lot of stuff hotting up in that light heavyweight division, of course, and we've got some action to talk about in the preview part of the show involving those one of those top 
two or top three guys in that division. Also on this bill, Oscar Rivas, that's the Colombian undefeated heavyweight. He cruised to 20-0 and with a TKO in round three over Jeremiah Carpensi. And that really is it for Quebec. That's it for Friday as well. We're now going to go over to Saturday. We're going to start with a card that took place over in France now. Um, there's, I'm not too sure what's going on with Hassan and Dam. You know, I'm not too sure. I know he was qualifying for Rio. I'm not really up to speed with what's going on in all that stuff. But he actually fought professionally um, on the weekend. And that was against Thomas Gargula. Uh, so Hassan and Dam actually picked up a TKO in round seven. It was at super middleweight. So it's, I'm not too sure what's going on. You know, he was fighting at 160. And then I believe he was at light heavyweight qualifying for the Olympics. And now he's at super middle. So he's been fighting in about three different weight classes within about two months, maybe even one month. So I'm not sure what's going on there. But nonetheless, he picks up his 34th career win with a TKO in round seven over Thomas Gargula. Uh, that's it for France. We're now going to go over to the big card that took place over in the first direct arena, Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. Top of the bill, we're going to start with the main event, Josh Warrington against Patrick Highland. Now, there was a lot of stuff that we should mention here before the fight. Patrick Highland initially weighed in at nine stone two and six ounces. Um, you know, that was, that was that was two pounds and six ounces over the championship limit. And um, he, he didn't try to, you know, they gave him a little bit of time to try and get that weight off and he didn't bother to do so. So Patrick Highland came in overweight for this fight. Josh Warrington, you know, he was bang on the weight. And, you know, he came into this fight and a lot of people thought this was going to be very, very close. So did I. I said it last week. You know, I'm a big fan of Josh Warrington's. I've criticized him, but constructively in the past, I'm a big fan of Patrick Highland. But he was coming off of a very, very um, tough loss to Gary Russell Jr. And I really thought it was going to be a close fight, Ayaz. I know that I think you shared that opinion as well. What did you think, Ayaz, of Josh Warrington's performance? I thought he boxed tremendously. He was incredible, wasn't he? He really, really was. You know, he came out. He did not lose a round. He was hitting Patrick Highland with all sorts of shots. Um, I know that someone actually tweeted um, a bet that they put on. They put on about a fiver or a tenner that um, Josh Warrington would win by knockout. And I think he only had three or four knockouts on his record after 23 professional wins. Of course, 23 and 0 going into this fight. And they put money on a knockout. And, I, you know, no one saw that coming. But, oh, my God, it came in the ninth round. And he was just, you know, he was fantastic. Highland was down in the eighth round. Um, and, he, you know, he, he, got, he got it back together in, in the corner in between rounds. But not so much so. He come out in the ninth round and he just, you know, he just didn't have it in him. I don't know. He just, I don't know. It was, it was all a bit strange. He just he didn't seem himself in there. And Josh Warrington... He excels in class once again. He's proven a lot of people that he really is the goods. And we need to see that big fight that they're talking about with Selby, with, you know, one of the other guys, you know, one of the other top guys in the featherweight division. Um, it's, it's really hotting up in, in, in a lot of divisions for the, for the British fighters. It really, really is. But we wish the best to Josh Warrington. Absolutely tremendous stuff. And commiserations to Patrick Highland, 31-3. and 3, His record now, Josh Warrington, 24-0. and 0. 
absolutely booming. Also on that bill, Tyrone Nurse against Tommy Coyle. Now, this fight here was a real, real good fight. Nurse was down in the seventh round. It wasn't really, you know, a proper knockdown, but it was because a punch landed, but I'm not sure where his feet were. It just, you know, he, he literally touched down. It was a bit embarrassing, to be honest, but that was a real good fight. It was funny because the... Um, there was four fights on the telecast on Sky Sports on the weekend, and that was the Tyrone Nurse fight against Tommy Coyle, the Luke Campbell fight that we're going to mention in a moment, the Dillian White fight that we're going to mention in a moment, and the Josh Warrington fight. A lot of the undercard fights that weren't shown on TV ended in knockouts, and when the telecast come on, the first three fights out of three, they all went the distance. And then, obviously, we've just mentioned the main event was the fourth one, and that ended in a KO. So it was pretty... Uh, a lot of people on online on Twitter sort of slating it, saying it wasn't good. You know, they wanted to see knockouts and stuff, but you just can't deliver all the time. Uh, Tyron Nurse moved to 34 wins, two losses, and one draw with his win over Tommy Coyle. Uh, it was a unanimous decision after 12 rounds, and he retains his British super lightweight title. Tommy Coyle now 22-4. and four. Where does he go from? here you know I know he put a lot a lot into that and he wants a rematch but I I you know it was a good fight but I think that Tyrone Nurse really was the better man um also on that bill Luke Campbell you know he was put down in the second round against former world champion Arginus Mendez and I was thinking oh my god what's going on here you know Luke Campbell really hasn't looked like an Olympic gold medalist in the last 12 months he was in there against a good fighter and um to be honest you know, he was down in that second round and it was very worrying and he got up from that and he managed to kind of boss the fight from then on. And, uh, you know, he was, he was very good. He was very impressive, but he had to keep his high guard up. And, he, he you know, he was very, he was very um, cautious for, for the first couple of rounds after that. Uh, but then he kind of got in his motion and he'd become very hard to hit. He, his footwork was exquisite and, you know, he was landing a lot of shots on Mendez and hurting him at points of that fight. So he cruised to a unanimous decision after 12 rounds and he picks up the vacant WBC silver lightweight title. So Luke Campbell now 14-1. and one. That's just not the record of an Olympic gold medalist, man. He's really got to, you know, go on some crazy run. But again, he's in an absolutely booming division, the lightweight division here in the UK. So we wish him all the best. He's an absolute class act inside and outside of the ring. Also on that bill, Dillian White against Dave Allen. We had Dave Allen on the show last week as well. Dillian White's going into this fight 17-1. and Dave Allen 9-0 and with the one draw undefeated. Ayaz, I know that you was very, very interested in this fight beforehand. Um, firstly, the first question, did it live up to the hype that we all thought? Because a lot of people thought it was going to be an absolute bang out and we was going to see some kind of knockout. That's what I thought, you know, to be honest. I thought this fight is going to be a war. And to be honest, it failed its expectations. Yeah, I think so too. Um, a lot of people thought that Dillian White was going to come steaming in. He actually told everyone the truth. He said he's going to come there and box. And, um, you know, it, he, he actually did come there and box. So, you know, Dave Allen, he's, you know, credit to him. He took a lot of big shots. He's He's got an absolutely granite chin, as he said so. I saw something... 
where you know he was he was saying a lot of stuff on Twitter. I can't remember who he was comparing himself to. It was George Chavalo, actually. He was saying, "I'm the George Chavalo of today's today's heavyweight." So um, for the historians and the people who know boxing and haven't just jumped on the bandwagon in the last couple of years or so, you should know that name. And listen, if you did jump on the bandwagon the last couple of years, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But Dillian White, you know, he'd done the ten rounds and he picked up the vacant WBC international heavyweight title. It was for the British title but I know that you know we've got a man coming on the show in a couple of moments time that's going to be speaking about Dillian White so we're going to leave that fight there but you know he was he was in Southpaw for the first round of that fight it was very strange I don't know Dillian White I mean what did you think of the fight eyes and I asked you about the expectations but was it a good win was you impressed by anything Dillian White done I was impressed that he moved to Southpaw but other than that I thought to be honest I thought White was going to take him out that's what I was looking forward to. I was looking for a grudge match. And this, to be honest, I wasn't really interested after six or seven rounds. Yeah, it did become a little bit boring. It was one-way traffic. And, uh, you know, and, and Dillian White, I really thought... I mean, I didn't want him to put to put, um, to put Dave Allen away. I thought Dave Allen was brilliant on our show last week, a real nice guy. I had a little chat with him afterwards, and I really wanted him to, to, to do the business, to be honest. But, uh, you know, he couldn't get the job done. But he only had three weeks' notice. But listen, there's no one else to blame but himself for that fight. Um, also on that bill, Gamal Yafai, 9-0. He fought Josh Wow, 20-8 with two draws. This was for the Commonwealth uh, super bantamweight title. Gamal Yafai was a big favourite, but a lot of people thought it was going to be quite an easy fight for him. Now, I've got to say, I didn't watch this fight because it wasn't on the telecast. It was on, you know, I think they was doing a, a live stream on SkySports.com. I didn't actually tune into that, but Gamal Yafai moves to 10-0. and 0, And of course, he's got the Commonwealth super bantamweight strap. Also on that card, Ryan Burnett, Defending his WBC international bantamweight title against Cesar Ramirez, 12 and 2, Ryan Bennett, 13 and 0. Now, Ramirez was down from a body shot in round eight. He was scheduled for 10 rounds and he won this fight, Ryan Bennett, after 10 rounds unanimously. And you know what? He's, he's very promising, Ryan Bennett, and they've, they really reckon he's going to be the next big thing. Um, so we wish him all the best because, you know, he's a, he's a real good fighter, very, very talented. Also on that bill, Sam. Eggington, he moves to 18 and 3 with a KO in round one. I don't know much about his opponent, but he had a winning record. It was his comeback fight from losing to Bradley Skeet, and he absolutely took him out. Also on that bill, Frankie Gavin, the return of Mr. Funtime Frankie Gavin. It was a six-rounder, and he TKO'd the guy in round six. Frankie Gavin now 23-2. and two. He beat Ivo Gogosevic 12-17 and 17 now with the two draws. So Frankie Gavin looking to get back in that mix. I can't wait, man. He's, he's, a, real, he's a real nice guy guy and um, the opportunity that he got against Kelbrook he had to take it but the timing probably wasn't the best also on that bill Jake Ball cruises to 6-0 and that's 6-0 and with five KOs now he picked up a TKO in round one over Christoph Golech one win Five losses now and the one draw. It's just a keep busy fight for Jake Ball. Just to get out there one more time before the season finishes. Vincent Feigenbutz was also on the bill. One of the first fights on the entire card. He moved to... 
23 wins and two losses with a TKO in round two over Wilma Gonzalez, 19 and 11 now with the one draw. Also on that bill, the last fight to mention on this very, very stacked card, Felix Cash, the new matchroom prospect, cruises to 2-0 with a TKO in round two over Edgar Schneids. So Felix Cash, we're looking to see him move very, very quickly. And he's supposed to be an incredibly talented young fighter. So that's it for the UK. We're now going to go over to Fantasy Springs Casino. One fight that I want to mention on that bill. Joseph Diaz cruised to 21-0 with a KO in the second round over Victor Proa. 28-1 with two draws. This was a good test for Joseph Diaz. A lot of people thought this was going to be you know, a bit of a back and forth type of fight. We're going to really see what Joseph Diaz was made of. And he absolutely wiped the floor with him. So he is, as we've been saying for a long time, we've been beating his drum for a long, long time. Joseph Diaz is the real deal. And a lot of people are going to be hearing about his name very, very soon, if you don't already know it. Also on that bill, I should mention, Antonio Orozco moved to 25-0 with a win over Abner Lopez. Orozco was cut on his eye in round three, and that was his right eye. And also his left eye was cut real bad in round eight. Both of those, I believe, caused by headbutt. He won the fight unanimously after 10 rounds, Antonio Orozco, and of course he stays undefeated. Um, That's it for California. We're now going to go over to New York over in the Barclays Center, Brooklyn. Top of the bill, Leo Santa Cruz, 32-0, putting his WBA Super World Featherweight title on the line against Carl Frampton, 22-0. Both guys undefeated. Somebody's O had to go. Carl Frampton's going up in weight, coming off of that unification bout win over Scott Quigg. Ayers, what a goddamn fight it was. In my opinion, this was a war. Frampton, in my opinion, boxed very, very well. Obviously, Leo Santu, you can't take nothing wrong from him. It's a very good fight, but the way Shane McGregor is training Carl Frampton, he's made him into an excellent boxer. And in this fight, Frampton was throwing some accurate jabs, punches as well. So that's why Frampton won the fight. You know what, I, 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 you know, this was one that we picked out, I, as I know you've been rubbing it in my face all week. You went with Carl uh, Frampton to win this fight. I went with Leo Santa Cruz. So on the Prediction League, now you climb to 2-0. and So, you know, your O has got to go the next time we do some predicting because, you know, I'm not having that. Leo Santa Cruz, he, he was in this fight. He was clearly the taller man, clearly the bigger man. Carl Frampton looked a lot smaller on fight night. And I was I was worried, to be honest, from the first bell. But then, you know, he established his, his work very, very early, Carl Frampton, from literally the first couple of rounds. He was putting it right on Leo Santa Cruz. But see, Leo Santa Cruz wasn't, you know, he wasn't being taken for a mug. It was... It was, you know, he was he was landing great shots himself. It was a real, real good fight. It really was. In some of the middle rounds, I think maybe Carl Frampton took his foot off the gas and Leo Santa Cruz was clearly winning some of those rounds, you know, very, very um, clear in those middle rounds. There. And I thought maybe it was a time for a change in the tide, perhaps. But the later rounds, I think Carl Frampton, you know, he, he got back in gear and carried on it, but a lot of close rounds. But in my opinion, I had it seven to five in favor of Carl Frampton. Some people are giving it the other way. I, I don't, you know, I don't really see that if I'm honest, but you know, nonetheless, it was a pretty close fight, you know, 
It was it was a close fight, and Carl Frampton won the fight via majority decision, and of course he picks up now the WBA Super World Featherweight title. So Carl Frampton twenty three and zero now, and Leo Santa Cruz thirty two and one with the one draw. Carl Frampton, he's basically I reckon he's now probably the most biggest name possibly in British boxing. I know a lot of people will be going, whoa, 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 hang on a minute, hang on a minute, Joshua, Joshua. But, you know, we're living in the UK. Over in Ireland, they are going absolutely crazy about Carl Frampton. You know, we perhaps don't hear that all the time, just being based in, you know, in the UK, in London and so on. And, of course, he's not with the biggest promoter in the UK. He's with Barry McGuigan. They're doing good things with him. But the main man promotionally you know, the main two men are Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren. So, you know, he's not getting that big support. But I'm telling you what, he really is. I mean, credibility-wise, he's up there, isn't he? And, you know, it seems to be the two guys with Irish heritage, Carl Frampton and Tyson Fury, who are really, really making all the noise and basically forming their legacy at the moment. Both guys with sensational, sensational wins in in recent times. So all the best to both of those guys. Also on that bill, Sergei Rabchenko. He's looked after, of course, by Ricky Hatton. And he was in a good fight against Tony Harrison. It was always going to be a close fight, we suspected. But it ended up not being a close fight. Rabchenko was absolutely awful. Tony Harrison outboxed him and then was started to hurt him in the later rounds. Ended up putting him down in the ninth round. And it was waved off there. And then Sergei Rabchenko, 27-2 and two now. And Tony Harrison, 24-1. and one. Real, real good win for him. And I think that's going to put him in a... World title fight, perhaps, I think they were talking about, but he's definitely going to be springboarded into something very big. Also on that bill, Paulie Malinagi, 35-7, and seven, faced Gabriel Bracero. Now, Bracero was going into this fight 24-2. and two. I didn't see the fight, but Paulie Malinagi won after 10 rounds unanimously. Also on that bill, Ivan Redcatch against Tevin Farmer. A lot of people banging the drama about Tevin Farmer. Ivan Redcatch, 19-1 and one with the one draw going into this one. Tevin Farmer, 21-4 and four with one draw not a very spectacular looking record but Tevin Farmer he's been done hard in a few of his fights there's a few of the decisions and he's very very skillful and very elusive in some of the clips I did see Farmer was also deducted a point for a low blow during this fight but he managed to win on a unanimous decision after 10 rounds I'm not sure if it was an upset or what but Ivan Redcatch now 19 and 2 with the one draw, Tevin Farmer going on to bigger and better things. A lot of people talking about a world title fight, perhaps, you know, perhaps him being um, fast-tracked into one of those. I know he's got the right people surrounding him, so it'd be interesting to see what unfolds there. You know, I think he's, after a bit of a rocky start to his career, he really is rubber-stamping his name now in that lightweight division. It's just an absolutely booming division, as I mentioned earlier. Also on this absolutely cracking bill, we had him on our show last week, two-weight world champion undefeated in 34 fights. He's now undefeated in 35 fights. He got straight back in the ring after a two-and-a-half-year layoff against Elio Rojas, who... Of course, he was coming off a big layoff himself. I think it was about a two-year layoff. But he's a former world champion. Mikey Garcia, 
moved to 35 and 0 in serious, serious fashion. First couple of rounds, I've got to be honest, he did look a bit ring rusty. It was a bit worrying. I think Rojas was actually doing really well. He was landing the more telling shots in probably round one and two. And then in round three, Mikey Garcia just come out. And it was just search and destroy, to be honest. He was down twice in round three and also twice in round five. And on the third, on the fourth knockdown, I should say, in round five, so the fourth knockdown of the fight, he got back up. He beat the count every time and he was very frustrated with himself. I'm not sure why, because I think all the shots that put him down were good shots. And he'd done well to climb back up after those after those knockdowns and of course the big long layoff that he had but when he got up after the fourth knockdown the referee said do you want more and he said no you know he decided to quit uh, I don't really like to highlight that too much I don't, I'm not going to start pointing the finger at him calling him all sorts of names but he didn't want no more and he, and he did quit you know that's that's just the truth of the matter so Mikey Garcia now 35 and 0 and he's calling out Terence Crawford he's calling out Terry Flanagan please 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 I'm saying to the boxing gods make one of these fights because he is an absolute force it was a pleasure having him on our show last week it's, it's an absolute pleasure speaking to someone like that also on that bill Comrade Cummins moved to 10 and 0 with the one draw a unanimous decision win after six rounds over Dante Moore so top stuff there for Comrade Cummins and also on that bill Josh Taylor moved to 6 and 0 his opponent retired at the end of round 2 his opponent I'm not sure what happened in that fight but we don't really care as long as Josh Taylor picks up a win and that is it for the USA we're now going to go over to Sunday there was one fight I should mention took place over in Latvia Dmitry Chudinov 18 and 1 with two draws going into this fight that's the guy who lost against Chris Eubank Jr and he was facing a guy um, Andreas Pokomiko 9 and 11 it was just a keep busy fight Dmitry Chudinov won this fight with a unanimous decision win after eight rounds he actually had his opponent down in round one but he was unable to capitalize on that and of course cruised to a decision win but that's it for the reviewing that's all the reviewing done on this week's show we're now going to go over to that funny part of the show just you know sometimes things are very serious on this show you know we're about business we're not gonna sounding like adrian broner there but we're we're about business you know we, we we don't always have have a great laugh here it's very serious at times it's nice to kick back and have a bit of fun and talk about the funny names now last week there weren't too many funny names which was very disappointing we went through a lot of names and you know we went through all the names to be honest of that week and there wasn't anything too funny but we ended up settling with a guy called bimbo nationales and he was in a fight against Tabusa Cora, and Tabusa Cora actually managed to pick up the win. So it's bad news for any fans that were attached to Bimbo Nacionales over the weekend. He got beat in the second round. He got knocked out in the second round, 41 seconds into that second round. Tsuba Cora, now 8-0, a Japanese prospect. And, you know, shake my head for the Filipino Bimbo Nationales, we're, we're very upset with that. And he now 14 wins and 12 losses with the one draw. So it's not looking good for Bimbo. Um, there wasn't any other names that were as, as good as that one. But one I did find, Diaz, and I remember that you said it a few weeks back and the fight didn't happen and it got postponed. And we weren't sure if we were ever going to hear from this man again. But I seen he actually fought on Friday. He fought last Friday, the 29th of July, and we didn't see it. 
So it must have been one of those last-minute fights because he was supposed to fight, I think it was two or three weeks ago. The fight got postponed, and it must have got rescheduled at the last minute on the 29th of July, and we missed it last week. But I'm going to tell you what happened. Ayers, for the listeners that may not listen to this show every week, okay, and that's absolutely fine. If you don't want to listen every week, that's absolutely fine. You picked out a guy, and his name was Matteo Darmian, and the reason why you picked him out is because, you know, he's a football player's name, of course. It's, a, it's an Italian defender who plays for Man United. His name was Matteo Damian Varon. And Varon used to play for Manchester United. Well, believe it or not, it really sounds like I'm making this stuff up. But he fought a guy in Argentina called Roberto Carlos. You know, it just sounds like a triple threat freeway fight between three football players. But it actually happened. It really, really happened. And Matteo Damian Veron, we're very proud of him. He moved to 25 and 18 with the three draws because he KO'd Roberto Carlos in round three. Now, if it's the Roberto Carlos that I've got the image of in my head that I just cannot shake, he's about four foot minus three. So, you know, the height difference, I could imagine, was in favour of Matteo Damian. And, of course, he knocked him out in the third round. I just can't see a different Roberto Carlos. I've just got that little, um, you know, the short, shiny head, um, very quick on his feet. But he didn't seem to be too quick in round three here. But we're going to leave that there. We're going to talk about a funny name for this week coming up. Again, I've gone through all the names and there wasn't too many. So I'm a little bit disappointed on that fact. But the one that I've came out with, he's fighting over in Japan and we are keeping our fingers crossed for him. It's a guy, I'm going to start with the guy who he's facing. The guy who he's facing is a man called Ruka Shobu. Now, Ruka Shobu is having a four-rounder in the flyweight division against, wait for it, Sugar Ray Kaiohe. Okay, now... Sugar Ray, we know, is a name that has been associated with a lot of good boxers. Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, even, you know, Sugar Shane Mosley. This Sugar name has gone along with with some of the best boxers in boxing, but they've got their own twist on it over in Japan. Now, a lot of these boxers that I just mentioned there who have Sugar in their name, they win. You know, they're winners. They're known for the great wins they've had. Well, they're taking it to a whole another level over in Japan. This Sugar Ray has not won a fight yet. He has not won a fight. So I'm hoping he can do so in Japan. And we're going to keep you posted on that result next week. So that's it for the review. And that's it for the funny part segment. I know that there's um, a very shortage of news this week. I, as is, I, don't, I don't think there was any news. Was there any news at all? No, there's no news at all this, this week. Okay, well, I know that you're going to bring us some booming news next week. Hopefully, there'll be some to talk about. So that's that done. We're now going to welcome our first guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former light heavyweight champion of the world and current heavyweight world contender, Mr. Antonio Tarver. Antonio, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Hello to my UK fans over there. Yeah, you've got a bunch of them, believe me. But it's my pleasure having you on the show, sir. Um... Now, the first thing I want to ask you, Antonio, I want to ask you, of course, there's a lot going on right now regarding, you know, this supposed um, foul drug test. Please bring our listeners up to speed on the whole allegation and the progress that's been made thus far with the whole thing. Well, man, you know, I I fought Cunningham after an impressive knockout win against Jonathan Banks, which I was told at that time that I'll be getting into contention for the title. You know, Jonathan Banks only had two losses on his record. 
you know, he had knocked out Seth Mitchell and he was currently training Vladimir Klitschko. Man, I come off a year, almost a year and two, three month layoff and I jumped right in the ring with Jonathan Banks. Nobody thought or nobody had me winning that fight. And I looked impressive, didn't get hit with nothing. I knock out Jonathan Banks. I'm I'm shelled for 14 months. You know, inactivity has been a plague of mine. So they offered me the Cunningham fight. Look, man, I can't get up for these guys when I'm used to fighting legends and beating legends and beating champions. I can't get up for these guys. And look who I've been fighting the last five or six years. I only had three fights. I mean, it's just it's just crazy to me, man, that these people expect me to, to, to be sharp and be my best when I'm not even getting any reps. So, you know, we go to, back to New Jersey. The last time I fought in New Jersey was against Bernard Hopkins. Bernard Hopkins was coming off for of two losses. I mean, all you got to do is wrap your mind around it and you can see the clear picture. Bernard Hopkins was coming off for of two losses. I'm coming off the Rocky Balboa movie and knocking out Roy Jones Jr. This man coming up two weight classes. How am I putting that fight without a rematch clause? And I'm 3-0 and in rematches. That was my security right there. Win, lose, or draw. I should have had a rematch clause. They put me in that fight without a rematch clause, and I still split the money with Bernard Hopkins 50-50. Come on, man. You're talking about bad management, mismanagement, and everything else. And when you go back and look at that fight, who the hell was that in the ring? Because it wasn't me. And I want to let the people know that I told the world, anybody that would listen, that undoubtedly I know they got to me. However that may be. It ain't the first time. This boxing, it ain't the first time. I had everything they wanted, and they took my status. Forget the title. It was my status. And they gave it to Bernard Hopkins, and he's been living off it ever since. Never re never rematched me, but he want to run Roy Jones Jr. down 10 years later after I already demolished Roy and beat him three times. He want to rematch with Roy but couldn't honor my rematch when he was a dead man walking and I gave him a shot of a lifetime. That's how they screwed me, number one. So I go back to Jersey and I fight Cunningham. This is what people don't know. I passed every official, quote unquote, official test that was given to me. They took blood samples and urine samples. LabCorp, who is a credible company here in America and it happened to be the Major League Baseball testing agency. I passed every official test. It says it right in New Jersey bylaws. There's only one official test, the, the, the testing agency that's hired by the New Jersey State Athletic Commission, which was LabCorp, not WADA, Avada, whoever this other company was that Lou DeBella hired independently. And two months later, they claimed they found some artificial testosterone in my system. Well, why the hell didn't LabCorp find it? I didn't have no masking agent in my system because I was clean. And that's all I'm trying to tell the people. But they accused me of something that I didn't do. And when I spent 60 grand trying to clear my name, we go into this office in New Jersey with Larry Hazard and all of his officials in there. They had their mind already made up. My team of lawyers put on a good case. How can you not when you, sub you submitted and requested the urine that they claim was yours to be presented and tested. They never put the urine on the table. So how can I prove my innocence or prove me guilty or something? They want me to just take their word for it and I know they, I know they trying to get, come on, man. You know, and they want motive. The motive was, I told everybody that would listen, when they robbed me and took my title against Bernard Hopkins, 
that they got to me, man, I thought for sure they had poisoned me. Because when you look at the fact that I was asleep 20 minutes before I walked to the ring, sleep before one of the biggest fights of my career? Come on. And I stayed asleep throughout the whole 12 rounds. If you go back and listen to Kelly Pavlik fight after Hopkins in the same building, we echo the same sentiments. We echo the same sentiments. Come on, man. This shit is easy. It's, the, it's right there in black and white. So I'm like, okay, I got to pay these people 75 grand. I got the money. But why should I pay these people my money for something I didn't do? But okay, I got to get back in the ring. So I'm willing to pay that. But I can't pay these people my money without having a contract. And nobody seemed to be wanting to work with me. So I'm on, I'm blackballed, basically. Nobody want to, everybody claimed when I, when they mentioned me in a fight, oh, they want to holler drug cheat. They want to hide behind these lies. Well, I'm willing to take any test, but I'm not going to be subjected to the, the bull crap that I had to be subjected to in New, or in New Jersey. I'll take a test and I'll take any official test that we're supposed to take, but I need another agency to do to also test so that I can, you know, can't get set up no more. So now I got to protect myself from everything. I don't trust nobody out here no more. And, and then you look at all these failed drug tests that are just purposely, it seemed like placed. And, you know, when you got everybody in the heavyweight division, seem like they fell in tests. And I know these, I know they can, they, they framing these guys, man. Some of these guys ain't doing nothing. But it's so conveniently that, that that Brown go over there and win the title, he don't get to win the title. It's conveniently that Wilder facing, facing his biggest contest, his biggest challenge, they, they, they find a way to get him out of that fucking fight. Come on, man. I mean, it's all this shit bogus. Now, all of a sudden, everybody fell in test. Why wouldn't people fell in test five, six years ago? It's rampant in the, in the sport right now. But it seemed like every time somebody fell a test, there's another guy benefiting from the shit. I mean, I'm, I'm not crazy because I know it can happen because it happened to me. And all I want to do right now, man, is finish my career off, man, because I still got a lot of fight left in me. And all these clowns out here, I'm looking at the heavyweight division, shaking my damn head. Because on any given day, I can beat any one of them. Any given day. And I can't even be afforded an opportunity because they got me behind the eight ball. It's ridiculous. Five times I won the title. How many times was I favored to win? Not one. I've been defying the odds since day one. I, I fucking started my professional career four fights in without a manager or a promoter. With Olympic bronze medal and one of the most decorated amateurs in American history, I didn't even have a manager or promoter to start my career with. I've been defying the odds, and I'm going to defy the odds one more time because I'm going to win the heavyweight title. And that's point blank, period. And they don't want to fight me because they're scared. I'm telling Eddie Hearn, you think... You think your guy Dylan White can beat me? Book it then. I'm on a plane to the UK immediately. He only lost to Anthony Joshua. When I knock his ass out, bring me Joshua, and I can finish my career. Period. But I'm not going out like this over my dead body. So that's point blank, period. Follow me on Facebook. I did a beautiful um, Facebook Live you know, uh, video this morning. And, man, it's just I've had enough. I've had enough with this shit over here in America, man. And, you know, I'm ready to finish my career. It's been a year now. I haven't had, I haven't made no money in a year. They starving me financially. That's what they're doing. I want to ask you, Antonio. Um, I know like a couple of things. I just wanna, I just wanna ask you about. 
what you said there. I mean, I watched the the Facebook video earlier as well. You know, you sent me that, and I and I watched it. Um, firstly, I want to sort of ask when you say that that you wasn't yourself in that Bernard Hopkins fight, and they got to you. I want to ask you sort of how do you mean by that? Listen, also, listen, that's the last time I ever ordered room service to my room comfortably. I don't even let nobody know where I'm eating at now. I go to an undisclosed location. That fight, particular fight, I had my guards down. I'm ordering room service twice a day. Everything coming to my room. I was a va- I was there. I was a target. All I'm saying is, man, look, man, look at our common opponents. Me and Hopkins, common opponents. Roy Jones and Chad Dawson. You think Hopkins shut me out like that? Are you, are you, are you kidding me? Be real. Proof is in the pudding. Hopkins never beats me like that. I'm not saying he don't beat me, but how you beat me and I don't land no punches. Everything I'm, I'm landing is soft. I have no balance. He's pushing me around the ring. My natural ability, which is my reflexes and timing, are off and gone. Don't know where that's at. My focus is not there. I, Buddy McGurk couldn't even get my attention between rounds. I was somewhere in space. Look at the fight. You've never seen me look like that since then. I go to I go to Australia, knock Danny Green ass out. I beat Clinton Woods to a pope here in Tampa. Bernard Hopkins is a great fighter, and so am I. But he never beats me that easily. When I didn't even land no punches, how, have you ever seen me get hit with right hands? <laughs> Not very often. Career? Not very often, no. Roy Jones couldn't hit me with right hands. And I know he's much quicker than Hopkins. The bottom line is, man, the fight wasn't contested on even ground. I was beat before I stepped in the ring. If I wasn't beat, they would have had a rematch clause in my contract. Come on, man. The bottom line. And I maybe never be able to prove it, but I know, I know they got to me. I know they got to me. And that's point blank period. Call up Kelly Perry. Ask him how he felt in the same type of Ask him how he felt that night. I ain't taking nothing away from Hopkins. He's a good fighter. I'm not saying it was Hopkins per se. But there's a lot of, it's, 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 a, it's a lot of, you know, energy out there, man. And I'm just telling you, four to one, four to one, underdog and five to one underdog. Somebody cashed in. And yeah, I'm, a, you know, I'm a real, I'm a realist, dude. I ain't, I'm an honorable man. If I did anything wrong, I'd be the first one to admit it. I ain't got to fucking lie. I'm not a liar. I tell you straight to your face. And they know that I stand on principle. That's why I'm not going to let them accuse me of something I didn't fucking do. And Antonio, I want to just ask, um, I know that, I, I believe you're still, you're still linked up with Al Heyman. Is that, is that correct? Man, me and Al have a personal relationship. Yes, we have a personal relationship, but it ain't it hadn't been working for me lately. You know, yeah, and because... I love Al Heyman to death, man. But it's nothing going on. It's no work. It's nothing going on. We could have been got through this shit. Yeah, but I'm because... just sitting here wasting time, man. And I see, I'm just wasting time. Like because I obviously, said, go you ahead, know, I'm sorry. No, no, it's all right. Um, Al Heyman, of course, he's got a fantastic um, reputation, you know, promotionally and, and of course, as an advisor and as a manager of fighters. I don't know what, what sort of stuff he can do, but is there not anything he could do to, to, to man, help you through you, this whole thing? Hey man, if, if Al Heyman snapped his finger, man, all this shit can be put to bed. But I can't force nobody to believe in me, man. I can't force nobody to see my vision. I can't. And I've been with him longer than any fighter, man. I got more time and I got seniority over any fighter he's been with. I was the second fighter to, to, to God bless his soul, Vernon Forrest. We've been working together for many years. But, hey, sometimes things, you know, people just don't see you anymore. And I'm not saying it's, nothing, it's anything wrong with that. But, shit, he has a whole lot of fighters. And I'm not no priority or none of that. 
in his, you know, for him, I don't believe. Because if I was, I wouldn't be going through this shit, man. That's all I'm saying. I'm just keeping it real 100. I got nothing but respect and love for Al Heyman. But yeah. Al got Wilder. He got all these other, you know, shit. I'm an old man, you know, compared to those guys. But this old man still can fight. Ain't nobody beat this old man yet. Since 09, since I lost to Chad Dawson in a weight class, I had been outgrew four or five years prior to. Ain't nobody beat me at cruiserweight, and nobody beat me at heavyweight. And right now today, I'll go down to 200 pounds and beat any cruiserweight champion they got out there. Anyone. Antonio, I want to ask you this as well. Um, what is actually the, the case? Is your license been, been, been taken away from you? No, you still listen, possess my, it? no my license is, is, is been uh, revoked. So okay. I got I to pay 75 grand to get my license back. I have the money in the bank. I already showed them that. But I'm not going to write that check until I got a contract for my next fight. It'll be crazy for me to give them my money, and I'm still sitting here waiting on something to happen. I told Eddie Hearn that. I'm ready to go to work, man. I can fight in September. September 10th, I can fight. It's no, nothing stopping me from fighting but writing a check. But I need a contract. Now, I can't give them my money, and then I'm still out here searching, looking for something. You know, I need a bird in the hand. I can't, I can't be having a bird in the bush trying to chase it i need i need a fight i need a fight that's it and i want to come to the uk and i don't i ain't trying to don't give me no tomato can i'll come over there and fight dylan white after a year layoff he done had his little tune-up just this past weekend i don't need no tune-up i know how to win if i can't get that fight then i'm ready to fight a high profile cruiserweight for a championship we can shoot a real rocky movie if they want to you know no. what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. I, w- I want to get onto that in a moment. Um, so, Antonio, now I'm not suggesting this by any stretch of the imagination, but I know that you're you're not so happy with the way things are, you know, the, the way things are right now in the US with, with the whole boxing career and the boxing license. But have you had thoughts of, you know, perhaps trying to get a license, trying to obtain a license elsewhere? under a different sanctioning body, so to speak. Man, you know, like I said, I don't have no manager, man. I don't have no promoter. I don't have no one working with me. I don't know if that's even possible. I'm just trying to move on. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't, you know, if I had a team, if I had a working team, man, none of this shit would be going on because I have some protection. I've been out here throughout my whole career by myself with just my hands. And I just want to get in the ring where I can control what the hell happens in, in the fight. I can't control nothing out here. They got yeah. me, and, and, and I can't win. I can't change public opinion. I can't do any of that. I just want to get back in the ring so I can feed my family and I can make good on my promise. And I want to become the oldest man to win the heavyweight title and really exalt my, my God. And that's it, man. And, and, get, and if somebody beat me, I'm gone. You ain't got to worry about me. I'm out of here. But they're not going to beat me outside the ring. They're not going to beat me outside the ring. And that's it, man. And come on. They asking me to retire. For what? Well, for what reason should I retire? I don't understand that when I still can fight. If you don't believe me, go on my Instagram. Go look at my videos. There's a lot of fight left in me because ain't nobody hit me. Nobody touched me. I'm good. Never been cut. Never been on my back. And never been close to being knocked out. But they want me to retire. No, I want to take my rightful spot amongst champions. And the only way I do that is win the heavyweight title, be a three-division title holder, and then they could never question my greatness. That's what this, this is how this story ends. Antonio, if you could only, if you could only land a big fight in one division, where are you more comfortable, at heavyweight or at cruiserweight? 
I'm comfortable right now at heavyweight, man. I walk around 227, you know, I'm comfortable at heavyweight. And like I said, I know there's disadvantages in heavyweight, meaning you can't get hit by those guys, but I know I got some advantages too. They've never faced a guy as skilled as me, as fast as me, and trust me, <laughs> I still got a deadly left hand. And, and you know, like I said, I, I know that I can get inside, get under those guys, and I can work. Shit, if Chris Burke can win a heavyweight title, so can I. So it's been done before. I don't have to be the biggest guy, you know, to beat a big guy. That's that's, you know, a good big man can beat a good big man too. So like I said, the only thing they got on me right now is age. They lucky I'm not forty. Antonio, what fight would you prefer if you could get one of those fights that you mentioned there um, over, you know, over my part of of the world? Would you prefer to get uh, Tony Bellew? You know, of course, he holds the WBC belt of cruiserweight or that Dillian White fight. I know no, that there's no, a I... lot more in the in the Bellew fight for you. I'm talking like, you know, silverware. But Dillian White, a lot of hype surrounding him as well. Good money in that fight. No, I like it, but, it's, you know, it's not about the money. It's about the opportunity. Man, I'm going to make money regardless because when you prove you're the best, they're going to pay you regardless. Money ain't never been my my ruler. We need it to survive. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm after the glory. I'm after the glory, man, because they don't even consider me a great fighter in America right now. If they could, they, they probably would erase me out of the books. That's what they're trying to do. But I'm a great fighter, man. I've always been since I was 10 years old. Got a great gift, a great talent, and I just want to put it on display. Ain't nobody going to last in the boxing business 20 years and be and this clean? Come on. Think of all the greats before me. I ain't never been cut in a fight, amateur or pro. Come on, man. Floyd Mayweather can't say that. So my whole thing is this, man. I'm the goods, and now I'm driven and I'm hungry. So they done, they just, they, they, man, look, they creating a monster. And I just want to come to the U.K. and put my talents on display. My work in America is done, man. That's all. I'm just ready for a new start. I'm calling out to those promoters over there and let me bring some excitement back to the heavyweight division. Can't nobody sell a fight like me. They know that. Come on, man. They know that. I'm a star no matter what they say. I'm a shine no matter where I'm at. And I just want to come to the UK. And I like the fact that Dylan White has only lost to one man, and that's the heavyweight champion, Anthony Joshua. So, you can do your comparisons. And he's a big guy. I'm willing to step up and fight Dylan White September 10th. I need a contract, though, so I can take care of my license, and I'm on my way to the U.K. I want to see what they made of. He already called my name. So he called my name. He got to fight because I'm from that era. I'm from that old school era. I'm the, I'm the last man standing, and I'm the last of a dying breed from that generation. You call my name, you got to fight. I ain't no protection here. I make my own calls. So if he can talk his promoter into letting him roam a little bit, if he, if he can talk his promoter into letting the sheep come on out in the yard and, 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 and deal with this wolf, then we got to fight. I'm telling you, I agree to the fight. We can do the terms and the, and the deal, whatever. I want Dylan White because I want to prove to these people that I'm still good. I got it at 47. It's just a blessing, man. I know that I'm here for a reason. I know I'm here for a reason. I know I'm going through all this shit for a reason. At the end of the day, I'm a win. So that's all that matters. And I'm willing to put it on display. I'll fight Dylan White September 10th. Tell Mr. Hearn to call me. I, they worrying about money, talking about, you know, before the fight even get talked about, he told me I don't overprice myself. That tells me right there he trying to get out the fight. That's an old tactic. He's trying to get out the fight. He backpedaling already. I already called it. So if he want to fight, I'm ready. I've been training since last year. <laughs> I've been training. I'm ready. 
if if you did come over here, which which are, which would be absolutely brilliant, because over here, believe me, you've got a lot of fans, a lot of guys that will say that you was the main man. You know, a fantastic fighter at light heavy. Um, do you actually, from a personal point of view, feel like you have, you know, like you've got anything to prove? Anymore, man, you know, because you've, you've had a great shit, career. Yeah. You've been, you've, you know, you've you've had a fantastic career. You've done so much in the sport of boxing. Is there anything left to prove? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's plenty to prove. It's plenty to prove, man. I mean, because like I said, I'm not, I'm not revered as one of the greats. They never talk about me like that. I don't think so. I don't hear it. I don't think I'm. They, they not saying I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer. You hear them talk about James Tony like that. You hear him talk about Roy Jones like that. You hear him talk about other fighters like that. They don't speak my name like that. Well, they don't even speak my name. So, you know, I don't know what the hell their hangups are. But you get in that ring, you ask my opponents. You ask anybody that I fought how great I was and how great I am. Don't don't listen to these haters out here and all these, you know, what you would call casual fans because they don't know boxing. I know boxing. My boxing IQ is off the ch- off the charts. They don't even teach defense no more. Come on, man. These guys don't know the first thing about defense. Man, look, I know the game, and I'm, I'm ready to show these people. And over in the UK, they appreciate the art. They appreciate the, the science. They appreciate the real skill when it comes down to boxing. And I just happen to have power also. I don't really have no weaknesses other than my age. They think that's a weakness, but it's not. Because, like I said, when you look back at my career and everything, all that Roy Jones shit, man, look, they, they made every excuse in the world, and I beat the man three times. They make every excuse in the world for the Roy Jones situation. And another thing, I never got the fights that I should have. Why would Joe Calzaki come to, the, come to America and fight Roy Jones after I beat him and knocked him out and everything? Come on, that don't make no sense. If you really want to fight the best, you, you didn't fight the best. You came over here, you played with Hopkins. But you didn't fight the best because I proved I was better than Roy Jones. I, man, me and Roy Jones fought at 13 years old. That's why he knew. He knew I was coming. Everybody else was surprised, but he knew I was coming. The man never wanted to face me, man. I, I went on and, and did everything I wanted to do in the, in the amateur program. Beat everybody. You name them, I beat them. Russia, Cuba, Germany, all of them, man. I broke history as an amateur. And they surprised? How did they not see me coming? I want to ask you this as well. You know, the, you know, like like I said, you get a lot of love if you came over here. We've had James Tony come over here a couple of years ago, and we know he's well past his best now. But he got so much love. Any of the the US guys that come over here, they get they get a lot of love. What's your opinion on Shannon Briggs? Because he's come over here and people absolutely love him. I know he's he's you're, you're a couple years a couple years older than him, but. You know, do you see him as? Do you reckon he's he's able to do something uh, big in the division? Because, like you like you say, he's a little bit younger than you. He's 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 got that brilliant record. He's beaten a lot of good fighters. What's your opinion on Shannon Briggs right now? Man, you know what? I'll be I'll be a hypocrite if I try to rain on the next man parade. You know what I'm saying? Look, it's all about the man. He want to eat just like I want to eat. He got a good thing going. He got you know, let's go champ. He made that universal. I mean, but if I'm if I'm talking about if I put the fighter under the microscope, come on, man. I mean, I don't have to say nothing. But he got if he get paid fighting David Hay, because you know I've been challenged David Hay. That that would be a great fight between me and David Hay. But I got too much life in me, because David Hay told me three four years ago he would he wouldn't fight me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't understand why not. But he won't even fight me, man. Come on. I mean, my whole thing. Look, I'm dangerous, and those guys know that. 
I don't know if it's the suits in the in the in the offices that's stopping me or it's the fighters themselves. But they know if they fight me, they ass better be ready because they're gonna be in for a hell of a fight. And that's for any of them. I'm not no easy out. If you bring me over there, you bringing a live guy there in the UK. And I ain't no shot fighter. Ain't nobody knocked me out. Ain't nobody beat me since 09. I'm a live fighter. It's a difference than bringing somebody over as an opponent or somebody just trying to get a paycheck because both of those guys look like fucking garbage they last fight. And the guys they had in the ring just was a total disgrace. They deserve each other. They deserve each other, man. It's ridiculous. Antonio, just before I let you go, I've got I've got two questions I want to ask you. Uh, before we get onto those questions, is there anything else that you want to get off your chest at all while you've got the you know the attention of of the British fans? Yes, I mean I want to add, man. Listen, I need social media support. I mean I got all kind of content, man, on my on my pages at Antonio Tarver. All social media. I got nice videos, man. You can see me working out. You can see me putting in this work. And let your eyes be your judge. Let your eyes be your judge. If you ever seen a 47-year-old man do the things I do, then tell me who he is. Because Hopkins' skills had been eroded when he was that age fighting. His skill, he had looked craftiness. He had his little, his, his way of fighting. But his skill had been eroded. My skills ain't gone nowhere. My speed's still there. My timing is still there. My footwork is still there. I'm still here at 47, and that's the miracle that I want to show these people, man. I was in better shape than George Foreman when he did it. Give me a shot, and I'm willing to earn it at 47. I'll be the young Dylan White, and if I can't beat Dylan White, I'll pack my bags, and I'll come home, and I'll call it a career. But give me an opportunity. At Antonio Tarver, all social media, man, I need you to like, share, and repost because that's the only way I'm going to get through this fanfare i need boxing fans man hardcore boxing fans whatever come out of the woodwork man and let's get on this man because i want a shot of history and i'm willing to earn it who else willing to earn it i don't i don't see these guys willing to earn it though i'm telling you put me in there with a live guy and i'll beat him but at the end of the day i want that prize at the end of the rainbow that's anthony joshua that's who i want if i can't get tyson fury if i can't get wilder He's the biggest fish out there. Shit, he's the biggest fish out there, man. And that's what it is. I must ask you this because I have to ask this to every every uh, fighter that we speak to from overseas. It's, it's interesting to hear what people say to this question. Who's your favorite UK fighter from, from all time? Man, I got a lot of UK fighters that I really followed over the times, man. Um, shit, uh, Lennox Lewis, of course. Um, and, of course, Kalzaki, man, you know. You got to, you know, guys like Kalzaki. You know, I had a chance to, uh, you know, commentate a couple of uh, Carl Froch's fights, who was, a, you know, a good guy, a great fighter. I mean, it goes on and on. But Lennox Lewis, even though he got knocked out twice, but he came back and he knocked them out in emphatic fashion. So, you know, I like the way Lennox Lewis ended his career. He beat Klitschko and called it a day. And, uh, you know, he beat Tyson. You know, he beat Holyfield. I mean, the man did everything. I think Lennox Lewis is is the guy I would say that sticks out in my mind because he transcended the heavyweight division. He was an international star. And uh, when he walked in the building anywhere in America, man, they, they treat him like he was, uh, you know, one of our greats, you know. So, and that's what I want to do. I want to come over there and earn the respect, you know, from my UK fans, man. And uh, like I say, I, I've been my own man in this business 
for 20 years, man. And for me to have been just out here with my two hands and to still be here, it speaks volumes. Because all I had to do is somebody beat me and, you know, somebody knocked me out. I wouldn't be here on this phone with you right now. I made it through all my tough fights unscathed. There's a reason for that. I still got a lot of fight left in me, man. I still feel that I can do something great. And if I can't do it, then let me go out on my shield. And that's all I'm asking. It's an opportunity because I know what to do with opportunity. Take advantage of it. Antonio, lastly, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not pushing you to do this at all, but we're on the platform. It's here. You've got the opportunity now if you want to take it. Um, is there anybody that you want to, to, to call out at all, especially from this side of the war? Well, I mean, calling out, man, look, I'm, look, man, my, rec- my record speaks for itself. They should yeah, want to fight me. They should want to fight somebody that has the history that I have. You know, Dylan White was on the right page when he said, shit, a, a guy from my era and I'm still here? You know, let one, of these young, let one of these young guys see if they can retire the old man. And I think that's the only fight out there for me right now, Dylan White, because David, hey, you couldn't melt me down and pour me on him. You couldn't. And that's the that's the fight I really wanted because he was the he'd have been the perfect guy to make this statement with, but since he's not available, he ain't thinking about fighting nobody that's live right now. It has to be a guy like Dylan White, who's damn near ten years my my younger. If he he twenty years younger than me, probably. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Okay, come on, he ain't got nothing to lose. What twenty years younger? If he can't beat me, he need to retire. <laughs> 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 do you know what I will say this do you know what he had a fight on Saturday night and he actually went into Southport for a round as well no one ever seen him do that before that was quite interesting well he ain't have nobody in front of him so he could he could have did what he wanted to do he probably could have did a cockwheel and came back up and still been safe so you know it, it is what it is man my whole thing is man look let's get the fight going on call Eddie Hearn tell him to make the fight I don't have no problems get my license i told eddie that he told me he can't do business with me because of that don't make that excuse then he tell me dylan white's going for the european title who european title i'm trying to give him a piece of history come get a piece of history man and beat somebody of note and somebody with credibility and somebody with championship pedigree that's what these young fighters need to be doing reaching for the stars and stop all this nonsense and all these fighters are protected man it's a shame that they managers don't even want to let them prove that they're able or prove their worth. You know, they spoon feeding these guys, man. Look at my resume. I was fighting championship fights at 16 and 0, 16 and 1, title fights all my career. So, I mean, these guys been protected, man. I don't understand. It. It's a it's more business than anything. It's more business than anything. So I challenge Eddie Hearn and I challenge uh Dylan White. I'm ready to fight. He called my name out. He's been on little, little interviews and stuff. He say he'll smash me. Okay, send me the contract. I'm ready. And Antonio, um, lastly, any any message that you want to send out to the UK listeners, the UK fans? As I said, you've got a lot of guys who really appreciate you over this side of the water. Man, right now, it's a beautiful thing going on in the UK. And like I said, they have a different you know, love. And it seems like they're more educated about the fight business. And they just love their fans. I mean, come on. You saw my man come over here and win the title. You know, it was a beautiful fight. You know, those guys in the U.K. can fight. So I just want to come mix it up with the best and see where I stand. You know, it's a long shot. I understand that. But 
all my fights been long shots because they never thought or never had me winning anything. I was an underdog when I fought Clinton Woods. I was an underdog when I fought Danny Green. You know I was an underdog all of my Roy Jones fights. They never had me winning nothing. And I've won five times the, t the title. And the sixes will be an unprecedented time, man. I just want a shot at the heavyweight title. But I'm the one man that's willing to earn it. So that's all. I ain't got no online. I ain't got no online marketing plan. Or I ain't got no catchphrases. I ain't got none of that. I got my hand, my right hand and my left hand. And I got my skill and ability. And I got my history with me. That's all I got. I don't even have a team right now. So, you know, my whole thing is I'm just trying to, man, move on and finish my career off on the right on the right right note, a winning situation. And I think that's in the UK. I think my business here in, the, in America is, is over with. I mean, I can't get any push over here. I can't get no support. So I'm ready to go. There's nothing holding me back. I just came from Canada. My passport worked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been great, man. I thanks, uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity just to, you know, tell my side of the story. And my, I'm standing on truth. I'm standing on truth, man. And that's it. And I'm not finna worry about all that. I want to pay these people their money so I can free myself to come to the UK and, and start anew, man. I just want a fresh start. And I look forward to meeting everybody and, 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 and mixing it up and training and working hard. I'm just ready to go, man. I got me and my trainer, and, and we ready. And, and that's it. I'm focused right now. And like I said, man, if I don't get an opportunity, man, it would be a, it would be criminal. It would just be criminal, man, because I put too much work in. I put too much work in for these people to try to kill me on the outside of the ring rather than let me go out on my shield in the ring like a true warrior and a true champion. I'm an Olympian, man, Olympic medalist for my country. And I can't get no support. It's crazy. If you can't see... The, the, what's the harm in that? Come on, man. It's only me. I can't change public opinion or none of that. All I know is I didn't do anything and they accused me of something that is now is going to stick with me for the rest of my life. And it's just totally unfair. It's totally unfair, man. But I'm going to get to the bottom of that. I'm going to handle that when it's time. But right now, I got to get back in the ring because if I don't get back in the ring, then they win. The, the plan worked if I don't get back in the ring. I can't do nothing. And so that's all I'm saying, man. And I'm ready. And you see me working. Look on my YouTube and on my Instagram and Facebook and all that. Follow me, at Antonio Tarver. Come in like I communicate back with even the assholes. So you know I don't have no problem talking to my fans. Excellent stuff. Listen, Antonio, I truly wish you the best of luck with all the stuff going on outside of the ring. I really hope that that all gets cleared up soon. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and having a legend like yourself on the show. I hope that we see you over in the UK very soon. But until then, take good care, my friend, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you. I appreciate the time. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, the preview part, if you haven't joined us before, where we preview the fights coming up this weekend. Now, there are just two fights that are happening on two different cards. So one fight on each card that we've got to preview. So there really, really isn't much at all. To be honest, we crammed in everything in part one. and We maybe should have spread it out over the show. Um, you know, there's really not much to talk about here before we bring on guest number two. But 
We're going to start over in the Casino del Sol over in Tucson, Arizona, USA. Top of the bill, the baby ball, Juan Diaz, 41-4. and four. He steps in the ring in a 10-rounder against Cesar Vasquez, 27-3. and three. It's going to be good to see Juan Diaz back in the ring. You know, he's done a lot for the sport. To be honest, I don't really think he's got anything left to prove. It's his 46th professional contest. But you know what? A lot of the hardcores will be tuning into this one. And I really hope he can... You know, I hope, but I'm not sure his situation. I don't know if he's fighting for money. I don't know what it is. We know that we spoke to Antonio Tarva and he was saying that it's not about the money. It's about, you know, it's about the honor. It's about the opportunity. He wants to make history. So maybe it's the same for Juan Diaz, but if he is fighting for the money, it's certainly not the right thing to do. But that's it for Arizona. We're now going to go over to the Oracle Arena in Oakland, California, top of the bill. And the only fight, really, I'm going to mention on this card, we're going to be watching it on Box Nation on Saturday night, very late Saturday night. I think it's probably about a two in the morning start. Andre Ward, 29-0, and 0, arguably the best pound-for-pound boxer in world boxing. He faces... Alexander Brand. Now, Andre Ward, of course, not a title holder anymore. So this is a 12-rounder, of course, at light heavyweight. Alexander Brand, a lot of people not too sure with, you know, not too familiar with him. I'm going to remind you, his record is 25-1. and one. His one loss was a split decision loss to Badu Jack. Now, Badu Jack, of course, you know, holding one of the belts down at super middleweight. So this is a division up. And Badu Jack, I think, was 10-0 and at the time. Alexander Brandy was about, I think, maybe about 16-0, and 17-0, something like that. A tiny bit more experienced. And here he is against Andre Ward, you know, one of the best fighters on the planet, if not the best fighter on the planet. This is one of the warm-up fights because, remember, the proposed fight is supposed to be happening later on in the year between Sergei Kovalev and Andre Ward. Sergei Kovalev was in a bit of a strange old fight against Isaac Chilemba, and this is the fight before, this is the last fight before the big one. So Andre Ward, you know, he's taking no um, no walkover here, and Alexander Brand, this really is his opportunity. If this, this is basically a world title fight for him without there being a title on the line. If he can somehow get an upset, you know, get an upset win over Andre Ward, he hijacks that fight and he probably gets in there to fight for the most of the belts against Kovalev. So this is a real big opportunity for him. But I've got to be honest, you know, Ayaz, I know you're a massive fan of Andre Ward. You know, he's, he's probably going to do the business on Saturday night, isn't he? I reckon Ward will stop him easily. Ward's far too talented. And obviously, this is just a warm-up fight before he leads up to that massive Kovalev fight. Yeah. No, you know, it, yeah, you know, I, I agree. The only thing that, that I sort of can knock Andre Ward for is the inactivity over the past, you know, over the past few well, the past couple of years, really. It's not down to him. I know it's down to the promotional stuff, and there was a lot of legal issues between him and his promotional team, and then his promoter, actually, uh, Dan Goosen, uh, he actually passed away in, in, you know, 
it was it was a bit of a shock to the boxing world and it was you know it really put another roadblock in front of him but he's got that out of the way now and he's back doing you know doing big things making waves again in world boxing so it'd be interesting to see him because he's always brilliant to watch he gets criticized a lot but if you like the skills then then definitely definitely tune in and you will see that no doubts we cannot wait for that big fight against Sergei Kovalev later on in this year but that really is it for the previewing you know we tried to sort of long-wind it out a little bit there but there was only two fights that we mentioned there and that is all we've got for you so now before the show is done no 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 do not go anywhere there's one last thing to do and that of course is to welcome our second guest it's a man who at the start of his career there was a lot of hiccups nobody really knew what was going to happen with him but he seems to have turned it all around now and the tables have truly been turned a really good win on the weekend it's of course Mr. Tevin Farmer Tevin welcome to the show hey how you doing man thanks for having me no problem it's my pleasure I'm very very good yourself I'm great I can't complain you know just enjoy my victory and I'm ready to get back in the gym already Absolutely, man. We're going to start with the fight on Saturday night, of course, on the undercard of Santa Cruz against Carl Frampton. You fought Ivan Redcatch, a guy with a record of 19 wins, one loss and one draw going into this fight. His only loss was to a now world champion, Mr. Zlaty Cannon. If I'm being honest, it was a bit of a make or break fight for yourself. Walk us through that fight, please, Tevin. Yeah, yeah. it was a make or break fight. Uh, you know, I went in there I did what I said I, I would do. Uh, I made it look easy. I showed the world that uh, I'm ready for a world title and I belong at that stage. And of course, you were obviously deducted a point in the first round and in the eighth round, but you won the fight unanimously and extremely wide. You're on a 15-win streak now, as I mentioned before. I know that you must have been asked this question a million times, but for those that are listening and the people that may not know, can you tell us what changed? You had a bad start to your career, and now the tables have been well and truly turned. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I had 60 amateur fights. I started boxing when I was 19 years old. So, you know, uh, early in my career, I, I wasn't really taking it serious. I was just fighting uh, just for fun. And I took a couple of early losses due to the lack of experience. Uh, I got to 74, and then I realized uh, that I had potential and that I could take boxing far. So I switched my, my whole team. I moved to Jersey, uh, changed my eating habits. We started doing everything the correct way a fighter should do. And since then, it's just a history. And did you have anybody around you, Tevin, perhaps in your corner, in your close circle, that took flight when these results came in? You know, because you had those negative results at the start. Did anybody write you off? Did anybody close to you just, you know, get up and leave? Uh, a lot of people A lot of people wrote me off and thought that I wouldn't make it. Uh, a lot of people, a lot. When I say a lot, a lot. They just look at me like an average fighter that was just fighting. And now that I'm here today, everybody want to say, oh, I've been new this or I've been new that. And, you know, I just, I, I'm a nice guy, so I just play it off. But there, there's no getting back close because everyone, everyone has had their chance. Well, it can be a good thing because win, lose or draw, you know, those close people, they should stay by your side no matter what, you know, through the hard times. But sometimes a loss or a couple of losses in your case can separate the real from the fake, can shake off the hangers on, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad it, I, it did go that route. For the, for the simple fact, I know the real fans 
And I know the fake fan, I know the real support, and I know the fake support. So I'm glad that it did happen that way. Now, I want to ask you about sparring, Tevin. I know that you've sparred quite a few top fighters. I know some of the names, but for those that don't know who you sparred, Tevin, just let some of the people know. Well, I sparred with uh, I sparred with Hank Lundy before. I sparred with Danny Garcia before. I sparred with Lomachenko before. A few more other names. I, I, spar, I spar with a lot of top guys, but I think I think Danny Garcia and and Lomachenko was the top two guys, top two names that I sparred. And did you learn a lot from those spars? Oh, absolutely! I learned a lot. Uh, the sparring was actually great. It was great sparring. Like they did, they think I did my thing. It made me a different person. It made me a better fighter. It made me mature as a fighter as a whole. And since then, every time I left a camp with one of them. I reached, I reached a new level. Yes, absolutely. As I said before, you know, 15 wins on the trot now for yourself. I must ask you this, Tevin. That fight on Saturday was just under the lightweight limit, so it was in the lightweight uh, weight class. Will you be fighting at lightweight, or are you looking to go back to featherweight? You know, let us know what's going on with that, please. No, I, I'm going back to I'm going back to 130. I'm not staying there at 135. I moved up for the opportunity for one. And for two, just to show the world that I can, uh, I can do, I can pretty much do what I want. I will be a pound for pound, a pound for pound champion. Okay, so one thirty, you're looking to go back to. Obviously, at one twenty six, the main event, you know, it was a huge, huge, huge fight, especially for the guys over here. That's that will be. I mean, on the night, it would have been two weight classes down from the weight class that you were fighting at. But as you're at one thirty, I don't know if you're ever thinking of going to one twenty six. Is that fight a fight that you had your eye on at all? Did you were you interested in that fight at all? I see little glimpses of a fight, but I didn't really, really, really watch it. I wasn't really interested in it, but the, the, the times that I did watch it, it was a good fight. I'll I, I go to 26 and, and beat those guys easy. They're too small for me. And as you previously pointed out, um, 130 is going to be the, the the weight class that you're looking to be fighting at. Is there anybody in particular that you want to fight at 130? Anybody that you've got your eye on? Perhaps any of the champions at all? All the champions. I got my champion. My 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 all the champions except except for one, and and the one is Jason Sosa. That's that's actually like my brother. That's my stable mate. But anybody else with a belt can get it. I I I'm ready to fight anybody anywhere. I even I, I even fight Nicholas Walters. Yeah, Nicholas Walters, a good fighter, also looking to get back in the mix. There's a lot in that division. Of course, you have got Lomachenko as well. I know that you sparred with him, but that fights there as well. Yeah, Lomachenko. Yeah, we good friends, you know. Uh, but. That fight, that, that that fight can still happen if they want to, you know. I, I'm not the type to, to say uh, I'll fight my friend first, but if if he if he say he'll fight me, I'll definitely take it. Now I want to ask you a couple of fun questions. Now, Tevin, I want to ask you if you could forget about boxing politics, forget about rival promoters or anything like that. If there was one fight that you could make happen in the world of boxing, which fight would it be? Uh, I would like to see honestly. I would like to see. Uh, Danny Garcia and Adrian Broner. Do you know, I was actually sitting at a press conference about two days ago. It was a press conference to Kell Brook and Gennady Golovkin. And we were talking about all the fights that can be made between, you know, 140 and 147. And that was a fight that came up. What a fight that would be. Who do you think would win that fight, Tevin? I think Danny Garcia would be Adrian Broner. I think it would be a good fight. You know, Adrian Broner is tough, he's strong, and he's going to keep coming. He's not going to back down. He's not a four-time champion for nothing. But I think Danny, I think Danny would beat him. 
And I just want to touch on Super Feather that you mentioned before. You've got that loss early on to Jose Pedraza, and he's really turned out to be a really good fighter. He's a world champion at the moment. Is that a rematch that you'd be looking to pursue? Oh, absolutely. I want that right now, but I don't think he, he's going to take it. I want that fight right now. But I will, I will, I will get a date in September or August if, if, if he had to. I want that fight right now, but I think he's going to vacate the belt and move up. Kevin, do you have a favorite fighter that you like to watch currently or perhaps from the past? Is there anybody that you like watching at all? Uh, no, nah, it's not no particular person. If boxing come on, I just catch it. But it's not, it's not really a particular fighter that I actually like to sit down and watch. I do like Floyd and stuff, but I, it's not really no particular fighter that I, I really watch all the time. If boxing come on, I just catch it. If not, then I just let it be. And I just want to ask you, Tevin, I know that you had a bit of a rocky start to your career being a Philly fighter, being a fighter, a boxer from Philadelphia. A lot of people that, that it sets off high expectations because Philadelphia have produced so many great fighters over the years. Is there any kind of added pressure on your part? It seems that if there is, you seem to have embraced it and taken it on board with the recent um, the recent run of wins. But have you got any pressure on your shoulders from being a Philly fighter at all? No, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't feel. I, don't, I know I got a good reputation, but my mindset is not uh, on that type of time. My mindset is not like, oh, I'm a Philly fighter. I got to do this. I look at myself as a fighter. Period. I don't look at myself as a Philly fighter or East Coast fighter. I look at myself as a fighter. So any, so anywhere I go, I can adapt and adjust because I'm looking. At, I'm looking at myself as a fighter, not a West Coast fighter going to the East Coast or not an East Coast fighter going to the West Coast. I'm just a fighter. So I, I I like it that way. Yeah, I mean, concentrating on your own path is obviously the best thing to do anyway. But um, but yeah, and there's a couple of other questions I've got. Just a couple, probably about one or two more questions. But before we get onto them, I just want to ask you: now that you've got the attention of the, the British public, you've got the boxing fans that are listening to this. Is there anything that you want to tell them why you've got the chance? Because a lot of people over here didn't really know who you were a few years back, but now a lot of people are knowing about Tevin Farmer over here. I would love to come visit the UK. I love the UK. I love what they stand for. I love I love the fans. I love the support they show their fighters and and, and, and they die hard fans, man. I just all all around the board, I just love the UK boxing fans and I want to come over there and fight for them one day. I just want all of them to follow my career. And they can follow me on Instagram. They can follow me on Twitter at Tavin Former Twenty Two, and just show love. And I and I always return the love back to them. Absolutely, is that Tevin Farmer Twenty Two on both Instagram and Twitter? Yes. Yes. Okay, brilliant. Everybody, please give Tevin Farmer 22 a follow on both Instagram and Twitter. Now, the last question I've got to ask you, Tevin, I have to ask this to everybody we speak to from overseas. We asked it to Antonio Tava earlier. I'm now asking it to you. Who is your favourite UK fighter, past or present, from all time? Ah, that's a good one. There are so many great fighters over there. <laughs> Damn, this is hard. You know it's gonna be hard, then. <laughs> I would have to probably say Prince Nassim. Oh, everybody goes with Prince Nassim. Yeah, I would have to. I would have to say Prince Nassim. I, I would have to say him. Yeah, man. He, yeah, man. He, he was entertaining. He was entertaining, man. He could punch. He could box. He could do everything. He, like he really can. He, he, he was. He was. He was the real deal. He was the real deal. 
Yeah, he was a true entertainer, a true showman. He came into the ring on a flying carpet once. He used to wear the leopard print shorts. Yeah, but he was he was he was a great fighter. He really was. Can't disagree with that. Yeah, he did everything, man. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, Tevin, I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show this week. Thanks for giving us a bit of time. I wish you the best of luck for the future. And of course, we're going to speak again very very soon. Absolutely, thank you, man. Tell the UK fan that I'm looking I'm looking forward to hearing from him. Yeah, absolutely. I'll pass on that message. Thank you very much, Tevin. All right. Bye-bye. Okay, now it's time to conclude episode 44 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Aya Summer has been Aya Summer. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, former light heavyweight king of the world, Antonio Tava, and also perhaps the next world champion, Tevin Farmer. Very skillful young man. I tell you what, you've got to look out for both guys. A massive thank you, as always, and the biggest thank you every single week to the listeners that make this show what it is. We'll be back next week with another big show, as always. Until then, take care.